Blog Talk Radio. Hi, good evening, everyone. This is Adriel Hampton, host of Government 2.0 Radio on Blog Talk Radio. I'm here today with my uh, co-host, Steve Lunsford. And uh, later on today, we're going to be talking to Scott Reiser, CEO of Yakabod, about knowledge management, Web 2.0, and creating collaboration and secure environments. But uh, first, uh, Steve, do you have a, a couple of things uh, happening in the Gov2.0 world that you wanted to mention tonight? Yeah, sure. I think uh, most folks may have seen some, some uh, information come out the, uh, this week about uh, the White House switching to uh, open source for whitehouse.gov. They've moved over to uh, Drupal as their platform, um, which uh, I think uh, reading, reading Tim O'Reilly's piece, uh, actually posted earlier today, uh, is running on a Red Hat. Uh, the Drupal implementation is uh, running on Red Hat Linux system. So um, I think it's kind of neat to see the the at least at least the embracing of of some open source uh, within the White House itself. I think it's uh, uh, there are a couple other I think a couple other implementations, but to see it come directly out of the executive branch is kind of neat. Um, one other thing that caught my eye that I just actually sent out uh, via GovTwit a second ago is a, uh, a post from Andrea DeMaio over at Gartner, who uh, uh, the Gartner Symposium in Orlando happened this past uh, this past week, and and uh, she wrote a pretty interesting post uh, titled uh, "Consumer Social Media and Government: That Resistance Is Futile." Uh, Basically, that her clients there from a government space are, are just extremely interested in, in looking at how they understand and leverage social media, um, and that there are, are basically three categories of clients that she's seeing right now. The have-nots, those that uh, have little or no citizen-facing role uh, and may have some issues with in terms of trying to put these sort of tools in place. Uh, the communicators, those that, that are PAOs and others that that work to uh, that have some sort of mission to reach out to citizens and those that are uh, what she calls the savvies, uh, those that appreciate there's no real boundary between personal and professional use of social media, um, and you know look at at covering all the bases in terms of policy, security controls, and monitoring. So, uh, for folks that haven't had a chance to check that out, I think you know Gartner obviously being one of the big 800-pound gorillas when it comes to consulting services and and uh, um, Interesting to kind of see their their take on it. Um, the last thing that I mentioned, which uh, I, I know I, I'm not certain, Adriel, if you've been in any of these, is that I attended uh, TwitterCon here in Washington D.C. Uh, earlier in the week, and it was really kind of an interesting mix of uh, so the first first conference since uh, O'Reilly came here with Summit a few months back. Where there was a good mix, I think, of commercial and government in the in the uh, in the audience, and uh, while it may have been titled TwitterCon and, and centered around the use of that one channel, I think a lot of other channels were mentioned too. The uh, uh, really really interesting things to see uh, applications, especially from large corporations, um, and how they would scale and kind of uh, you know get ideas to to move into uh, a large agency, because I think a lot of the the challenges are, are the same as you kind of scale upward in terms of number of employees and that sort of thing. So, for instance, the CMO of, of AMD was there talking about their efforts within the social space and, and using the tools to uh, uh, to push information out into the marketplace. 
uh, to inform, uh, to be pretty transparent. They talked about their battery campaign, uh, where they where they went out and looked at uh, performance levels and and uh, even where where they fell down and were, were not necessarily the highest performer. They they shared that information and provided themselves as you know positioned themselves as a trusted resource using uh, channels like Twitter and others. So some pretty cool stuff there. Uh, there was a panel hosted by Chris Dorbeck from Federal News Radio that had folks like John Shea, who runs uh, at FEMA in Focus on uh, Twitter, and Andrew P. Wilson from HHS and, and others. Uh, there were um, uh, uh, Chris from uh, the Air Force. Uh, I, I'm zoning on her last name right now, but uh, uh, the captain who runs uh, AFPAA. Uh, that feed also uh, shared some time on the panel, so it was good to kind of see a, some cross-pollination between the commercial space and the government space. And uh, just a brief correction, Andrea um, DeMaio is, is male. Um, I got thrown by the name, too, but he's yeah. a former UE official, I guess. I was following that, that Twitter feed because of some interesting uh, stuff from that Gartner forum. It's uh, Andrea <coughs> D-I-M-A-I-O on Twitter. Um, I wanted to ask you about the, the Drupal open source with the White House. I know that the uh, mayor of San Francisco just launched uh, a, a WordPress-based um, website uh, for the mayor's office, kind of talking up the same points about the open source nature of WordPress. And uh, besides the coolness factor, uh, what, is the, uh, what, is, what is the benefit there? Is it modeling, hey, let's use open source, it's cheaper? faster to implement what are, what are the business cases behind that that you see yeah Steve well if you if you pull you know what what was uh, the quote that was that came from the AP article is that the White House you know described it as as kind of rebuilding the foundation of a building without changing the street level appearance of the facade so uh, it was explained that it was made to to make the site more secure um, and that uh, uh, you know that while that may seem a little counterintuitive that uh, you know public code May seem like a security risk. It's actually, you know, most folks will tell you it's actually the opposite. That uh, because you've got the collaboration on these these types of tools to find errors and and uh, opportunities to exploit uh, code, that the product, that the the you know what what they're actually using is actually more secure in many cases than um, than uh, commercial off the shelf uh, cuts uh, cut software. So um, the other the other thing that and, and this just reading through Tim O'Reilly's. Um, uh, kind of take on this as well as he mentioned that uh, the White House also talked about uh, the, the change allows them to be more flexible with the site. That uh, there's a ton of, I guess, modules, and I, I'm just not familiar, so familiar personally with Drupal, but there's a ton of uh, user contributed uh, uh, modules uh, that will give them um, additional functionality and features. So, uh, you know, so you've got some security, you know, maybe some additional security there as well as greater flexibility in terms of how they grow the site. Uh, in the future. Okay. And um, I was uh, out and about a little more than usual this week, and one of the uh, uh, cool things I did was uh, meet uh, Chris Brogan uh, in person for the first time. For people who don't read his blog, it's uh, Chris Brogan, B-R-O-G-A-N, uh, .com, <clears throat> and probably one of the best uh, blogs out there on community building. I recommend it to, to people in all different industries just as a way to uh, get familiar with, with all the different kind of social media things that are out there as well as being a great uh, cultural guide to a great post this week, uh, How to Be Human at a Distance, 
uh, talking about, you know, when you can't um, network with people face-to-face, uh, a lot of the social media relationships we're building are of a, of a national level or even international. Uh, there are a lot of things you can do uh, to <coughs> humanize your presence on the web. And uh, so anyway, it was fun to, fun to meet him uh, down in the Bay Area. Um, I'm going to go ahead and, and uh, introduce our guest. Our guest today is Scott Reiser, who is the CEO of Yakabod. And uh, Yakabod makes the Yakabox, which is a, uh, correct me if I'm, I'm saying that wrong, but it's a uh, secure application for knowledge management. Uh, and Scott, why don't you um, uh, go ahead and introduce yourself uh, better than I can do and tell us a little bit about uh, your work. Great. Yeah, good evening, Adriel. Hi, Steve. Uh, yeah, thanks for having me. Uh, again, I'm Scott Reiser from Yakabod, and uh, we make the Yakabox. It's a secure knowledge sharing application uh, that helps you find, create, and share all the stuff that matters within your organization without having to plow through the stuff that doesn't. So that's a uh, you know, quick wrap on what we do. We can talk more about that as we go, but we are uh, headquartered in beautiful, historic downtown Frederick, Maryland, and we've been around since... 2001, primarily serving the intelligence community, but more recently here with the 3X release of our product, we've been uh, pushing out more into commercial market. One of the things I was definitely interested in asking about, Scott, is how, uh, you know, being in the knowledge management, knowledge sharing uh, industry for a long time before uh, the Web 2.0 movement, especially before that's really picked up in government in the last uh, year or two. Uh, how, how have things changed and how your, your product works and how you approach uh, agencies when you're trying to teach them uh, how to collaborate, uh, you know, using a technical tool? Yeah, that's a great question, Adriel. Um, you know, I, I maybe everybody might not agree with me, but, I, you know, looking back historically, I, I feel like one of the big things that's come out of this Web 2.0, Enterprise 2.0, thing has really been the user experience you know we we back historically when we were building big knowledge management apps and data warehouses and transactional apps we we really focused on the data or the transactions or the work process we were trying to get done and and i think finally for the first time in a long time we've you know as an industry come out with a series of apps here that are really focused on the user experience uh, you know it's wrapped around the user rather than wrapped around the data or, or the transaction and and I, you know that's kind of a general thing but I, I think that's pretty powerful um, you know whether that's a consumer oriented app like Facebook or whether that's you know taking those technologies and making them work inside an enterprise or inside the government um, pe- people can just use the stuff a lot quicker uh, you know, we we always get asked, you know, well, let's talk about training, and that that comes out of this legacy of apps being difficult and hard to use, and taking a big training program to get people going. And and as you know, with with uh, the Gov 2.0, E 2.0, Web 2.0 stuff, you, you start clicking and you know how to use it, and you don't break it, and you figure it out, and you click around some more, and and you're pretty productive pretty quick. Scott, this is Steve. Can you tell me a little more about um, Yakabox itself, or, or, or and how does it? I'm sitting here looking at the site. So, so, uh, but but instead of uh, you know directing people to Yakabod, y a k a b o d dot com, um, 
if you could share a little bit about kind of how it works and how does it pull together information, right? So the, I, I work for Deloitte uh, mm-hmm. in my, at my day job, and we are a, you know, one of the most highly matrixed organizations, I think, uh, that I've that I've been familiar with in my 20 years of, of business, and you know, looking and finding the right people of who've worked on uh, similar projects uh, to be able to help out a current client. That sort of thing is something that we're we're always interested in. I know uh, the federal side or the state side, the same thing. You have these large, complex organizations. You've got, uh, you know, how do you find out? Uh, you know, how do you share information? Um, you know, internally, uh, both. You know, interagency as well as intraagency, and you know, how do you get those key learnings? What, what's you know, what, what's the secret sauce that you guys put together? Yeah, sure, Steve. Um, I guess let me just clarify up front too, because some of the some of the introductory comments or some of the initiative you guys were talking about up front there, um, you know, there's a couple different really major applications for the uh, you know E2I. E2O type technology. Sometimes people talk about it in in light of connecting out with a constituent base, you know, or commercially the the you know the CMO connecting out to the consumers to help drive the marketing organization. That that's not what we focus on. We focus on the other side of that, which is how do you help people internally uh, use this stuff to get work done? And sometimes that includes connecting out through your value chain, but but really it's it's mostly about the internals of the organization uh, across departments across the matrix, as you said, and, and using it to get real work done. So, um, you know, with that distinction, I guess, let me say, we, we have chosen not to focus on the technology stack so much. We haven't set out to build a, you know, ECM replacement or, a, you know, just E2O plumbing stack or, uh, you know, anything like that or, you know, search or a collaboration platform. We, we really pulled the best features of all those things together into one place um, and have a strong user interface to that so you can jump on and start using it and use it to get work done. That's another key feature of our platform is, is we're focused on integrating it into a business context. So we have a lot of things in there to help us integrate with legacy applications or with, um, you know, other things in the organization to pull in other content uh, that's relevant throughout the organization. Um, And the the point is that um, people are not going to start collaborating just because there's a tool there. Uh, You know, we've had phones forever and, (laughs) you know, email almost forever, right? And, And that doesn't mean people are effectively collaborating. It you know, the tool alone isn't going to solve that. It it really is giving people a business context in which to to start that collaboration, uh, allow them to get some work done on the platform, and and so that's really the high level approach we've taken to all this. So does the software basically, as I, as I'm going through here, does the software kind of capture based upon keywords and other things that are being that are naturally occurring? through email streams or, or other streams and then be able to aggregate those so I can go out and find, you know, the last person who may have worked on X, Y, or Z type of project and uh, as opposed to going out and kind of rebuilding, you know, something from scratch? Yeah, yeah, that's a good way of looking at it. I, I mean, the core of this is knowledge or, or content information that you contribute, whether that's documents that you upload or whether that's blogs 
um, or whether that's uh, applications. You know, we have resources within applications. Um, you know, where we build kind of work processes on those. Uh, you know, there's a whole ver- calendars, whole variety of content types that are on the platform, and some of that stuff you create on the platform. Um, and then other people who are interested in that, maybe they're a member of your team or maybe they've you know, favorited you because they're interested in stuff you're publishing or maybe they're watching that blog or watching that application. And then, then as stuff happens, it gets delivered to them in activity feed, um, you know, much like you'd experience on an entertainment level in, in Facebook. Um, right. The, the distinction is, of course, that, that we've got this uh, object-level security in our application, it's been accredited to PL3 and numerous um, intelligence community uh, implementations. Uh, and, and then the stuff you contribute to the platform, and then comments you make, and additional stuff you you input in response. That that's the core. But but then we bring in content from all over the organization. Say, um, you know, say you're collaborating on. Uh, Customer project at Deloitte, Steve, and any you know, three or four people all, all over the place, uh, you know, posting project plans and commenting on those, and you know, strategy for that. You know, maybe there's some stuff in your HR system, or maybe there's some stuff in your, you know, sales pipeline. You know, that's relevant. That boy, you'd like to see what happened when we sold this project, and all the stuff leading up to that. And if there's content that's relevant over in that application then then we'll integrate with that and and so it's you know glued right into the data you're using moving forward as well and is, does it require the users actually to be proactive to to input that data into posts that you had mentioned you know uh f- you know folks actually being somewhat proactive i think that's one of the the big things about um you know one of the hardest hardest humps to get over is is how active are you you're going to have different levels of interaction. You're going to have some folks that are going to be extremely good about the process of, of uploading or, or porting information over versus uh, you know, others who may not. And so there's trap knowledge within organizations that, you know, how do you, how do you get at that? How do you, how do you get at those, those pockets where people aren't doing it? Are you able to kind of pull data uh, from their system regardless, or, or how, how does that work? Yeah, that's a that's a great question. I, I'm sure you're familiar with the stats out there that 80% of all these knowledge sharing applications end up failing. And, and as you know, it really doesn't have anything to do with the technology in most cases. It's all the cultural issues. It's the you know I'm just too busy to do that kind of thing. Um, one more thing to learn, you know, generational uh, organizational politics, just all that stuff. So we we typically you know of course there's some technology features you know easy to use and 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 people being able to contribute right in place or make a comment right in place on stuff they're looking at so they don't have to go somewhere else. I, I see that you posted a document that's interesting to me, and I can just make a comment on it right in place. And, of course, then in your activity stream, you'd see that. All that stuff kind of helps, um, you know, get people active. But, you know, there's a bigger effort we usually have to do that's, more than just the technology, it's a, an adoption planning, an implementation, a strategy for just where all those cultural barriers in the organization and and how do we overcome those? You know, let's start with a pilot project that you know we can get a couple power users using it and something that produces some real ROI early on in the process. You know, a kind of a quick win that gets more people in the organization bought in. Uh, you know, we run an agile software lifecycle so that 
you know, customizations they recommend can then be rolled back in and out to them quickly so that they can see that and, and, and you know, that drives a bit of a, you know, excitement throughout the organization. You know, it becomes their system instead of something that was forced on them. And so there's all these services, you know, the whole project um, around just the technology that it takes to really overcome those things you're, you're talking about, Steve. I, I don't think any technology in and of itself would, would overcome those barriers no matter, no matter how good it is. One thing I saw, I was uh, reading a, a white paper uh, you guys put out on how to make uh, knowledge sharing work. And uh, one of the pullouts says there's a good lesson to be learned from Twitter. If you give people an easy way to connect to colleagues and content, they'll update all day long. If you force people to update their status, yeah. they'll call it an invasion of privacy. <laughs> yeah, I, I thought that was a great a great pullout because you you do hear about you know oh my god you know we're going to have to uh, <laughs> we're forcing our your, your employees to use Facebook or whatever it is and how so is that's a, a cultural thing you make it so easy. Uh, that, that it's that it's fun to actually uh, add to and contribute and mark up uh, documents. Yeah, you, you know, we we face this very same problem ourselves. You know, we in the two X version of our platform before we had the activity stream and the overhauled user experience on it, um, we had all the enterprise two O stuff you'd expect under the hood, but it didn't have a user experience structured that way. You know, you had to go searching for the e2o like stuff you know so so i'd force people to put their time cards on our app you know we're going to eat our own dog food right so you will use this you know for time cards and we could force transactional stuff like that and people would do it but there's still somebody that you're bugging on saturday to wrap up the week's time card right and and you know the way that is in bigger organizations you could you know you could say we're not going to pay you if <laughs> and you'd still be tracking people down a week later trying to get stuff you know in the platform and, and when we rolled out, um, uh, oh, just one more point on that, too. And while, while we could force a transaction, what you're missing when you force people to put transactions onto the platform, you're missing all that valuable knowledge in their heads that walks out the door each night. Uh, one of you mentioned something about that earlier, you know, that there's just this valuable stuff in, in their heads, and that's the real heart of the organization is, is all that. How do you get that, you know, into a system? And they, they have to do that willingly. And, and so when we rolled this out for ourselves, this, uh, you know, activity-based user experience, um, you know, all of a sudden our usage exploded because when I didn't have to go to this place, you know, like say to Doug's blog and to the uh, application factory project page and to the marketing team page and to the sales pipeline and to the recruiting pipeline, but I didn't have to go to all those places to see what was going on, when instead all that stuff came to me, and then I could just put a comment on it right in place, it became real easy to get that stuff out of my head and, and into the application, and that, that's, you know, what happened for everybody here, just all of a sudden, uh, you know, in our, our own organization, people just... Um, you know, in spite of the earlier, you know, push that you will use the system for these types of things, people just started contributing voluntarily because it was real easy. All they had to do was comment on something that was going on, and if, after a few comments, they suddenly realized they could contribute stuff too. And, you know, so now people were pretty good in our organization about, you know, 
putting content into the application that they think is interesting to somebody, um, you know, whether that's in their heads or whether it's something they saw it on the web or, you know, whatever. So here's a question. Why, why would a, an agency or, or a large organization want to look at a solution like this versus just standing up um, uh, a wiki or, uh, you know, using Yammer internally or one of the other, you know, collaborative tools that are out there? Sure, sure. Yeah, they're, they're just different things, really. Um, you know, a wiki has its place. There's a lot of uh, great applications for a wiki. There, there's a lot of great applications for a, a Yammer or a you know enterprise Twitter-like instance. That, that those all have their place. We're more specifically focused on you know not a broad general communication tool for everybody. Um, but rather something where we can use those technologies to integrate with business processes and missions and use it to get work done on the platform to help them solve the if we only knew what we knew problem. So it's a little different thing, you know. We we don't it doesn't have to be you know necessarily as broad, it can go deeper. And so we do a lot more things with like legacy integration. Uh, there's also a level of security, of course. You know, as, as you know, there's some stuff you're very willing to share with that other agency, but other stuff you aren't willing to share at all, or you're willing to share with that mission team, but not the other mission team over there. And, and you know, there's a level of security in there too that, um, you know, I'm not talking about you know exposure to, to hacking or whatever. I'm talking about you know object level access control. You know, that just doesn't typically exist in a lot of other um, broad applications. So when you start, this is Steve again, when you start to, to actually gather this data, so, so it almost seems more of a collaboration tool versus um, uh, is there any sort of data intelligence that's built into it as well? So I'm familiar with some other tools that we'll look at. Uh, you know, you can look at an org chart, right, uh, within, a, within an organization and kind of determine, okay, well, here's, at least according to the org chart, these are the people that are responsible for X, Y, and Z. But what really happens in, in, in all organizations, I think, of any size, is that there are people who get stuff done, mm-hmm. and there are people who may not get stuff done as quite as efficiently. And you kind of uh, figure that out in a very informal way in terms of who the go-to people are within an organization. And the go-to person may not necessarily be the person that has um, you know the, the, that particular title on an org chart or that function on an org chart. They may be someone that, uh, by basis of just being with an organization so long, that they have enough institutional knowledge of knowing where to go to get things done, or that they uh, are just a, a subject matter expert in an area that may not be what their, uh, you know, line, their, their day job is, for instance. So, is there any sort of intelligence that's built into there, or is that something that just comes out holistically, or? Um, yeah, when when using the platform, of course, as I start to subscribe to thing, or if I'm, you know, in seeing new activity flow through, or or if I go searching for things, you know, using the embedded keyword search and indexing, I I, I can use that to start to uncover, um, you know, re- relevant information that I may not know existed. You know that that there is an expert in, you know, in in CT activities that I didn't even know, um, you know, three buildings over. Um, and maybe that's who I had to talk to regardless of what the org chart says. And I see that from the content, and, and that's one of the beauties of this um, platform is the ability to, you know, discover stuff um, 
and have it delivered to you that you didn't even know existed. Um, but but I, I don't want to overstretch there. We we haven't built you know, in spite of all the relevance and everything else we have in the engine, we we haven't built a reverse engineering social network tool like uh, I've seen those as well. Um, where they attempt to draw a map and reverse engineer the social network as it really works within a uh, organization, and, and we haven't gone to that point. If that was important for a customer, we'd integrate a third-party tool to do that, uh, like we've done with other things. We had one that wanted a, uh, um, you know, decision tool based on a lot of the content we are maintaining for these mission processes, um, you know, uh, neural net or artificial intelligence-based uh, decision tool and so we just integrated with uh you know third party you know third party model that did all that and brought back the results so scott are you able to talk about some of the clients that you have and kind of how they're using um uh, the services yeah from the government perspective especially yeah i should probably keep this generic uh you know and probably not even mention agency names here i think other than to say that there are three-letter agencies, and these are <laughs> intelligence community, um, you know, customers of the flagship uh, applications here. There is one in particular um, mission that, that they kind of have as a flagship on this platform where we have interaction with, um, with partners, and those partners are managed differently by all 16 of the agencies in the intelligence community, and there historically hasn't been a good way for Agency 1 to sync up with what Agency 2 is doing with that given partner. And so they've used this platform to, uh, you know, to start to take that problem on. So, um, you know, so the executives know what we're doing with any given partnership across the board, not just from, you know, one agency's perspective, but from, you know, the entire picture um, and that's in the early stages. We have that in five agencies now as a pilot, and it's about to roll out to all 16, and, and it's already proving to be pretty powerful. Um, that, that's a that's a great example of a mission. It's that if we only knew what we knew. Right. So, so, so is it comp- would it be, then be complementary or competing, or, or how does it kind of plug and play with uh, things like Intellipedia or Intellipublia, those types of things that the – Intel community um, from a uh, intra-agency standpoint, you know, looking to solve some of those same issues. Yeah, A-Space is another one, of right. course. Uh, and yeah. it's complementary to those, really. In fact, we've already been in a lot of different discussions with the A-Space folks about a, a connection point um, from what they're doing to the mission applications on this. Uh, again, it's a little different than the... Uh, you know, as opposed to a, a you know Twitter-like or Yammer-like or Facebook-like scenario where it's a broad application for everybody to kind of connect at a surface level, um, you know, on our platform they're able to collaborate and collaborate at very classified and compartmented levels and know that they're able to you know, share only certain amount of stuff with people on their team versus, you know, a little broader thing. And it's much more about getting work done than it is just that connection um, on a surface level across the board. So so they they end up being complementary. I was interested. I work, yeah, this is Adriel, in a, uh, I, I actually work as an investigator for the San Francisco City Attorney in my 
my day job and use things like uh, ChoicePoint or LexisNexis, different uh, uh, intelligence databases, uh, and and there's newer products coming out with like with Lexis doing uh, its case map system for uh, kind of building a, a case as you go. But there's still um, it seems a little hard to collaborate a lot of times because things like naming conventions that you run into. Uh, how do you, how do you get over those hurdles of you know people throwing up their hands and saying okay I'm not you know I'm not going to do this because my files keep getting delinked or whatever it is. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that that all comes back to that the the adoption strategy and implementation. You know, it's, it's we're always trying to start with something very simple where they can see the value. You, you know, we we know if we could accomplish this on the platform, boy, that'd save us a lot of time, or that would answer this hard question we've been trying to answer. You know, just make life a lot easier. And we try and do that on some specific work process uh, with a small group of people, and, and then let that drive roll out to a you know to a broader audience. Uh, you know, so it accelerates once we go, but we aren't trying to we aren't trying to go 100 miles an hour when we start. We're really trying to get serious buy-in, real work done uh, early, and then then let the acceleration happen as as success happens. And, and that's what we're using to help overcome some of those issues um, you've talked about there, Adriel. So that's interesting because it, it's kind of like uh, in the social media space, which is obviously a, a little. Uh, you know, lower security, uh, but you still have that. Uh, you could teach somebody everything you know, and then they might do absolutely nothing with it. But if you teach them something small that they'll actually use, then they might progress and get excited about it and and get to the level of uh, where the value is really at. Is is that kind of the the process you're uh, you're looking at when you implement? Yeah, yeah. And there's another distinction too. Um, I guess well, let me draw a distinction from more enterprise you know apps in general you know and, and going back historically it, you know th- there has been a a strategy historically of trying to go top down and you know especially with a transactional system, you almost have to you know we we will cut over to this version of the you know the c r m app you know at this point in time or the payroll app at this point in time, and it affects everybody all at once um and that doesn't work with the collaborative or knowledge sharing application rollout again because you're after the stuff people are going to contribute willingly and, and you can't force them to start using this thing you know they'll enter their, they'll put their time card on it you know they'll enter the transaction but they won't put that valuable knowledge in their head up there um, so it, it's just rather than trying to force this thing top down and say everybody will use it right now um, instead um, you know, you just can't push those stovepipes down. But instead, if you can start to poke holes in the stovepipes, uh, and you start to poke enough holes in those stovepipes where they start to collapse under their own weight in time. But that's a process, not a you know, it's not going to happen immediately. Yeah, I, I saw that in the in the white paper as well. I thought it was interesting because I, 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 sometimes you uh, people who want to do uh, like government 2.0 uh, initiatives or who are interested in, in things that are going on, you can get easily frustrated and go, well, nothing's changing fast enough. But on the other hand, I say, you know, you've got that idea of, uh, uh, I think there was a book by a big uh, political blogger, Crashing the Gate. Well, once you're inside, you can kind of methodically and slowly uh, 
work to show why something's important and take the time, and eventually things change uh, without a big crash. Yeah. And, and again, I, I think personally, because I think the real value in these tools, I mean, it's one thing connecting at one level and seeing seeing your friends post photos on Facebook, and that's brilliant. I mean, I don't know about you guys, but I'm, I'm seeing people I would never have been in touch with again, you know, from oh, 20 years ago that, that I'm in touch with now, and that's for a good, beautiful for, thing. For good, bad, or indifferent, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. Uh, and that's, it's a beautiful thing, you know, that's kind of a new way of connecting or staying current with people you wouldn't have stayed current with but but that only goes so deep you know and and for us to you know when we're talking about transforming government and being more efficient or or changing we're we're not talking about only so deep right we're talking about transformation and and that has to be at the level of getting work done not just connecting it has to be at the level of accomplishing things that we haven't been able to accomplish before and by definition that has to happen in the context of some business processes um you know you've got to apply that to something that are pe- people are trying to accomplish um at a very mission specific level and that takes time you know there's no universal solution to that um you have to address this mission and then you have to address that mission um and, you know, it's just a different level. Scott, have you found anything, this is Steve again, have you found um, more similarities than differences uh, between your commercial clients versus your government clients, or are there some unique challenges that uh, uh, government may face? You had mentioned before, you know, the int- that you're doing a lot of work in the intel community. Obviously, they're, you know, being able to share and collaborate effectively is mission critical there, and uh, obviously post-9-11, so... Uh, you know, are there are there more differences than than similarities, or is it vice versa? Well, the, I think the thing that surprised me commercially is just how critical security is to most of the commercial clients we've dealt with. It, you know, it, it's every bit as you know they may not use the same terminology, um, but it's every bit as critical to them as you know it is to the. You know, to the intelligence community clients, uh, that they take it very seriously that if they're going to put, you know, their competitive advantage on the platform, or you know, their R and D teams are going to work together on this, that 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 there are people out there trying to steal that stuff, and and it's every bit as important to them that they have, you know, that that level of security. That that was, you know, maybe a little bit of a surprise. I, I think another thing that's a maybe a little bit surprising. I, I've been around this for a while, and you know, back in the early days when I first came out of college, government was way ahead, uh, especially in the IC with some of the technologies. You know that they were doing stuff with, you know, microprocessors and signal processing technology and that kind of stuff that that industry was years behind. Um, and then it seemed like the government kind of fell off, and industry moved way out ahead, and. And, you know, when we first started, you know, doing stuff for the IC, there were still Netscape 4.7 browsers we had to support, you know. And <laughs> I think maybe only two years ago or so we were done with that, you know. So, so that you know, there, there's this period in the middle here where the government's kind of been behind things. And I, I think with Gov2.0, it feels like maybe they're leapfrogging industry again. Uh, the government seems to be at least in the IC, seems to be much more willing to look at this technology and take it on and take it on big for a whole department or a whole agency or a 
whole big group of people in a way that you know industry is still kind of hesitant on. So, you know, just just kind of my observations. I'm curious, what what are you guys seeing uh, as you travel around? Well, this is Steve again. I, I think that there's, as I mentioned in the in the upfront, I was at TwitterCon earlier this week, and there's more similarities than there are differences. I think as, as you kind of scale up in terms of size of an organization, you kind of start to see the same sort of thing. So, uh, again, being able to find the right person who has uh, the information you need within your organization or within a, an associated organization can become difficult, I think. Um, you know, finding the uh, uh, ways to share that information can become difficult, and, and that are you know things that are unobtrusive. As mentioned earlier, you know you don't want to be the person. You don't want to necessarily have to go out and continually update three or four different points. You want to be able to pass along information pretty quickly, and and in uh, course of normal course of doing business, and uh, hopefully that becomes useful for someone else as they uh, go to bid on the next project or. Uh, uh, help execute on a plan for um, for someone. So I find there's there's much more similarities. I think the same sort of challenges uh, arise in terms of risk, in terms of legal legal concerns, in terms of technology concerns, and that sort of stuff. And working in the legal context, I think uh, I mean two things may be driving some of the, the government uh, change too. Is one you have uh, you know e-discovery becoming a principle where all of a sudden you, you have to approach uh, the networked information that you have in your in your computer systems the same way you're approaching document management you know that may have been around for for much longer and then the other thing is is cost of storage going down and uh, also economic cycles I would guess that uh, you know you may be seeing less uptake uh, in the last couple of years by by enterprise well government it gets a chance to catch up because they uh, lag the economic cycle and they'll probably hopefully won't slow down again in the next couple of years as the you know stimulus uh, money ends or as uh, for local governments their their layoffs and uh, cutbacks catch up while the rest of the economy picks picks up again. Yeah, I'm curious if uh, if you guys don't mind me asking. I'm curious since we've been talking about things that you know kill collaboration and and how you get people to use this stuff. I, I'd love to hear some of your insights uh, as you uh, talk to a lot of different people. What what do you find typically stops uh, people from using uh, uh, technology or keeps them from actually doing this successfully in a in an install? What 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 stops these projects? Yeah, I think it, it's going to differ. I think you could probably aggregate into to various groups. There are some that you mentioned earlier that are just, you know, one more thing to learn or, or you know, don't necessarily, wherever they may be in their career, whether they're, they're young or old in their career, they're kind of stuck in their ways, right? Mm-hmm. Um, uh, there's, there's usability issues. There's UI issues. So whether or not something's, you know, does someone understand how to, how to put the information in? Does it, does it make it kind of super simple the way that, uh, fa- things like Facebook or Twitter or Yammer or others have done in terms of you just pop it in and you can use things like hashtags or, or like Delicious where you can tag content pretty pretty painlessly and easily to then be able to share it um, versus you know going in and, and doing something that's much, much uh, more process-oriented about, you know, you've got to uh, fill out this form and you've got to do your drop-down and then tag your 15 boxes versus just kind of you know some of the really simple things that people have done from a UI standpoint. I think in some of the social software. So it, I think it's going to vary. Um, 
on a person-to-person basis. I mean, so, uh, for instance, I, while I'm very active in a lot of these tools and while I'm, you know, we have a, a pretty strong, robust Yammer network in, in my organization, but uh, it's it's something that I tend not to use as much, and it's because um, it's one more place to go. Now, if it gets integrated into TweetDeck, which is a tool I use to kind of yeah. uh, do, not only work within Twitter and be able to, to aggregate and push different types of content into columns and 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 create uh, you know searchable feeds on the fly and and be able to go pull into Facebook. Uh, I can't tell you the last time I actually went to Facebook versus just checking status through TweetDeck. So you know the more you can kind of put into a single kind of use tool that aggregates stuff, uh, I think is helpful as well. I mean, we're just about out of time here, but I'll mention from from working in a, you know with a lot of uh, uh, information databases and moving around a lot of documents from different sources and that kind of thing in in my work, see that interoperability between different software packages and different kinds of documents extremely important. And uh, the the other one is uh, is is not having files all over the place. You know that you're you're running into linking. Uh, problems or having to switch back and forth between folders. Those are uh, two very frustrating things. They frustrate me, and I, I know that they cause people to just quit, uh, you know, a process when they run into those kind of problems. Yeah, we have a mechanism called C also we use explicitly for that, so you can And, relate. Scott, we're, we're out of time here, yep. uh, so I'll just say uh, thank you, everyone, for listening to, to Government 2.0 Radio today, and we'll see you again next week. And, Scott, we can continue just for a minute uh, because we're – still recording. We're just off air now. Okay. Great. Well, I, you know, I'd just, just to wrap up, I uh, appreciate your time, gentlemen, and uh, um, I'm certainly very willing to uh, show you a demo, uh, you know, uh, dig in some more if, if you're still interested or have any more uh, any more information you'd like. We'd uh, be happy to happy to provide it. Cool, no. Thank you very much. I appreciate you, uh, you joining and, and uh, reaching out and uh, uh, Thank you, uh, Steve uh, Lunsford, for joining us today. Yeah, thanks. Have a great week. Great. All right. Thank Bye you guys. all. Yep, take care. Bye-bye.